Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. I have a friend who had her children seven years apart, and I find that fascinating because everything about parenting can change in that time. From the practical stuff like when to start solids and how to settle your baby, to the way society accepts things like working mothers and same-sex parents, which is why I'm fascinated with how grandparents, parents and children muddle along together with the different ways we approach raising our children. Mike Williams is a friend and colleague whose daughter Daphne is almost one. His parents, Carol and Greg Williams, have graciously joined us to have a chat about parenting across the generations. And not to forget little Daphne, who is also here and potentially making noise in the background. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. It's interesting you said seven years just then because we looked at each other. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, in our family, it's interesting, we have a, a... uh, Katie, and then a year, and then seven years, and me, and then seven years, and oh, a younger wow. brother. Yeah. So oh, you got... are the perfect litmus <laughs> test. <laughs> within, within just these guys, they've got generations of parenting knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because the other thing, when I met my friend for the first time and found out that was the age difference, all I could say was, why did you do that? Because <laughs> by the time, because by the time they're seven, it's like you're out of the woods. And then you're back to nappies and bottles, but all the things. So like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just the way it happened. Yes. <laughs> did you notice even in that period that there was a difference in how you approach parenting between Mike and his sister or was it all? No, I didn't because, you know, I just thought that's the way you did it. Um, yeah. And it worked the, worked the first two times. So why not continue? Try the same if way. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. So uh, let's just uh, recap that. So how many kids do you have, Carol? Four. Four. And how many grandkids does that make at the moment? Eight. And Daphne is your newest, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Greg, do you get involved with the grandchildren? Yes, as much as I can. Yeah. So, Mike, how do you and your partner, Joe? approach parenting? Like where do you get your advice from? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting with all the, all the nieces and nephews, we've, we've been able to watch how people have gone through parenting and different styles. And we've learned a lot just by being uncles and aunties at family events. So that's been really helpful. That's the first place we get information from. <laughs> so we had a, quite a long, uh, pre-journey. And then, um, probably the next thing is Instagram. There's a couple of accounts that my wife found that she passed on. Dr. Ziggy, I don't know if you know her, uh, Solid Starts, which is a really good Insta page. I have page. heard of Solid Starts. So follow them and they pop up in, in the feed. And, and Joe, my wife and I are always talking about, oh, did you see that post today? Here's an idea. And we're looking at that. And of course, of course, there's the famous line of, you know, when, when Daphne was born, you realize the only template you had for parenting was your experience. So it really made me reflect on uh, how I was raised. And, you know, that's, that's really my, was my starting point. Okay. Now I find that really interesting because I also think about how I was raised and I want to be more like my parents. So the key difference I see between my parents, how they raised us and how I'm raising my children 
is the amount of information we have. So mm. I feel like I want to be a little bit more relaxed in my parenting. So my parents never went to the pub and left us in the car, like some people said. I'm not saying you guys did that, although did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do feel that, uh, well, I grew up in the 80s, so I feel like when my parents were raising me, it was a little bit more relaxed. I feel like parents today are a bit more maybe anxious because we have so much information. So, Carol, if we can go back to when... You had the kids, yep. Carol and Greg, because you had them together. We did. You did. Um, when I asked Mike about where he gets his advice from, like his information from, did you learn from your siblings the way Mike's been able to see from his siblings? No, I was an only child. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I had no experience whatsoever and I got my advice from the baby clinic. Mm. Because that's what you did in those days. You went to the clinic every week or every two weeks and they'd weigh the baby and um, what are you up to and um, tell you when to start the solids and you start with rice cereal and then you add, you know, stewed peaches, pears or whatever and she would tell you what you did next. Yes. And that's the way we did it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about them really. I had had nothing to do with them at all. So I had to go to the baby clinic to find out what to do, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's where I got all my answers from. And, of course, there wasn't the internet and things like that. So, um, you know, and I suppose mum would say, try this, do that. But, yeah, not really. The original uh, influencer, the baby clinic. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. How, how do you feel about, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I think it was easier because of that. Yeah. Because you've got one source of information. Yeah. And so you don't look up something online and have two different points of view. The the nurse said, yeah. this is how you did it. So that's how we did it. Yeah. And if it didn't work, go back next time and ask. Yeah, ask her, okay, well. What else do we do? Yeah, try yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that, Mike? <laughs> oh, it's funny. I just, I didn't know that. Um, oh, really? So that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, the double-edged sword of information, because that was something, especially early on when we had Daphne, even and just after she was born, every different nurse that came in had a different take. Oh, don't do it that way. Yes. It's like, you got to do it this way. And everyone knows, you know, how to do it. And the truth is that one of them, one of the options uh, might work that's right for Daphne. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's And um, I admit when I hear you say that, I, I feel a great sense of relief. That would be a such relief just to have one person. <laughs> I often would ask my sister. My sister was my go-to if it all got too much. I think the other thing that has come with information is judgment. I feel like what you're saying, Mike, you know, some one person knows exactly how you do it and then there's all these people saying, um, and it, it comes from a good place, like everyone's trying to oh, do yeah. the right thing for their baby. But I feel like there's more judgment now in terms of, oh, you shouldn't be carrying your baby that way or sleeping with your baby or doing this or that. Do you see that in retrospect or was there judgment when you were bringing up Mike? No, I don't think so. Uh, well, I don't think so. Um, no, I think it's more judgment. I think you're right. I think it's more judgmental now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. More pressure. To yes. Yeah. Do the yeah. Because right people have an opinion. This is the way you do it. You don't do it like that. And if they see someone else doing it like that, oh, look what she's doing, you know. Yeah. I think that's a general comment though. I think these days if your view doesn't, coincide with mine, then you're terribly wrong. Yes. It's not, it, 
don't hear people say, well, I, I can see what you're saying, but we, we do it this way. It's more, this is the right way. And if you don't do it my way, then you've got, you've got it really wrong. I guess it's interesting with parenting though, because it's so intimate and so important that there can be that uh, cognitive dissonance there. If between generations, um, if say I'm doing something different and you may have done it differently. Well, that's, that, that, that's going to create a little bit of tension there because, you know, how I was raised or how you tried to raise me was the best you could do and, and uh, was great in a lot of ways. And I'm digging a hole here. I'm digging a hole. You are, Please I'm, save me, Siobhan. No, no, I'm letting you, I'm letting you dig that. Girl. We did our best. Okay. Well, it, I mean, it does, it, it is an interesting point because when I had, my mother used to say she wanted grandchildren, she said it a lot, and my, my siblings and I were probably there's three of us and we're about 18 months apart. So my, my brother's four years older, my sister's 18 months older. Mum said, we want, we want grandbabies. None of us were ready. And then all of a sudden, all of us were ready. So mum ended up with six grandchildren under six in several years. And what that created was a really interesting tension because you had three sets of children with their children and different styles of parenting. And then the grandparents who were trying to move around that and in that. So I find the role of grandparenting quite interesting in terms of, did you two sit down and say, okay, this is how much involvement we want to have, or we're going to wait for our kids to come to us and tell us or. No, No. I we just sort of let it happen. No, Um, our attitude has always been, we want to be there if we're needed. And we always encourage, because we live in the city and in the country. And so we, we say to our children, if you need us, tell us, and please give us as much notice as you can so we can put it in our diary. And, and they do, and we do. Mm. Yeah. And uh, how has, obviously you've got four children. Does everyone have kids now? Mm. No. no. Our youngest is 25 and he's still single. Yeah, and he probably will be for a while now if he <laughs> sees all the children. Um, and so... Do your siblings, Mike, do they have a similar parenting style to you, do you think? Oh, uh, no, I'd say we're pretty different. You know, we're, we're all very unique kids. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and I, very different. I'm probably um, I'm probably the outlier in a lot of ways on, <laughs> on certain things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's, that's you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm the middle one. I'm the peacekeeper. I'm, I'm um, the documenter and I, I, that's sort of my role in the family and um, that's going to come into play in, you know, how I how I parent my older brother, for example, is, you know, he can water ski and motorbike and four wheel drive and you name it, he can do it, but he doesn't like roller coasters. No, I get on a roller coaster. Um, whereas I'm not really like that. I'm more sort of maybe a little bit, you know, let's pick up the guitar and have a, have a song and, you know. Yeah. So would that mean that Mike is more of a researcher when it comes to how he raises Daphne or his kids yes. compared to his yeah. siblings? Yes, 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 yes. yes. What's that like for you guys in terms of when, you know, you might have, you might be looking after Daphne and does Mike leave you a list of instructions? Yes. Which we, oh, yes. Which we're very, <laughs> which we're very careful to ignore. Yeah, you know, at, at nine o'clock she'll do this and at 20 past nine that. And if she sneezes, say uh, bless you. Oh, yeah, yes. And you can't, you can't raise your voice and you can't give her chocolate. Not that we would give her chocolate at this age yet. What, <laughs> what, age, what age would you give her chocolate? Oh, oh, no, I don't think there's oh an age. Oh, my goodness, you're totally going to be the first, the grandparents that give her the first ice cream. 
Mike's going to be posting. Can you believe my mother gave my daughter an ice cream when I wasn't there? That yes, happens. She's not allowed to have ice cream. Yeah, nothing Siobhan, sweet. Yeah. What someone doesn't know doesn't. Spoken <laughs> <laughs> like a true right. granddad. And, you know, we get the instructions and the timetable. Yes, yes, yes. And then he walks out the door, and we do exactly what we you, do. You had no intention to do no. any of the things. No, I know. No. Did you actually write a list, Mark? I didn't write a list, He's, but there were details. Documented it. Did he send you a text? He said he didn't write a list, but did he send you another? There was no text. <laughs> and so, Mike, you're, this is your first baby, and you already know you're quite different to your siblings and mm. how you approach things. How do you feel when you walk out the door and you know they're going to ignore everything? <laughs> I had a feeling they were going to ignore what I asked. Um, you know, it's mixed feelings. You know, I trust them. And... Uh, <laughs> Hey, did you like that sigh after? Oh, I trust them. <laughs> they, um, you know, like, you know, they know what they're doing. They're going to have a different approach. There's some things that, uh, like food and, and some things that I'm, I'm going to crack down on. With oh, them. we wouldn't, we wouldn't. Yeah. If I you mean, said no chocolate, we're not going to give no. a chocolate or ice cream or anything. We'll <laughs> obey that rule, you know. I don't know. I'm not sure that Greg will. <laughs> Oh, I see the twinkle in his eyes when you say <laughs> that. You turned out all right. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> they keep saying that. But <laughs> We're not, the jury's out, is it, Mike? Whether well, it turned you know, out it, okay? Look, let's maybe we can talk about food. Like we're on yes. food, right? Okay, we're so, talking about so food. So there's, there's two stories that come to mind, you know, when we're talking about food. And, um, you know, just to, just to be up front, I thought I was a bit of a picky eater when I was growing up. He was the worst eater ever. He'd only eat potatoes and, Lamb. but that was it. Lamb. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But that's no okay. vegetables, that's nothing. Better. It's not just uh, potatoes, yeah. there's some protein oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Until one day we decided, sit down and you oh. eat that meal and don't get up till it's oh, gone. That was, that was <laughs> and he my... forced it in and next thing we saw it all again. <laughs> <laughs> I threw up on the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the last time we forced them to eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you're not leaving the table until you eat all your meal. And that was a mistake I only made once. <laughs> Never again. Because he did eat it all and then we saw it all again. And what was the next meal like after uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> what would well, you I, like for dinner? I think the siblings were a bit, bit ha- that was a win for the siblings that night for the kids. <laughs> then, the most extraordinary thing was that Mike then bragged about it, about how, how he tamed mum and dad. <laughs> That That's may be true. why he brought it up just then. Well, he wasn't that old, yeah. yeah. There's the, it was the other story. Well, there's another story. He was, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get deaf and you, and you guys yeah. tell that one. Well, because he was such a picky eater, he was really, really skinny, you know, oh. really skinny. This you is a terrible us. story, really. <laughs> um, we were concerned because he was so thin. Mm. And uh, my mother and father picked up on that and they said, you know, we said, we discussed with them that, we were concerned that he was so skinny. So my father decided, fix this. <laughs> decided that he would fix this. <clears throat> so next time he had Michael there by himself, he said, you know, Mike, if you don't eat more, your back <laughs> will touch your front and it will rub together and cause a fire. <laughs> you, you will catch fire. You, you, will, you will catch fire. <clears throat> and... Michael took this to heart. And As you do. Boy, did he put on weight. <laughs> and you can see the result. <laughs> oh, my but, but, God. But this, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm glad we're all laughing about it now. But 
I can't believe my father did that. (laughs) That really was a step too far. (laughs) But but I have to say, it did solve the problem. Why didn't come from the from the baby clinic? No. Oh no, I was gonna say this is not what we're saying as parenting advice for children who not eat who are fussy eaters. But you know, you know, it comes back to the 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 original thing that started this chat was, you know, I turned out okay. And I guess, you know, I have had a complex relationship with food over my life. And it's not because of what Dad Dad Laurie said. But I do wonder. Does what I do now with Daphne and how I introduce her to food, how we talk about good, good and bad food, how trying to prevent picky eating, do some of those attitudes start now? And that's that's what we're looking at at the moment, and 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 it might. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the that's the tension, isn't it, between having too much information? Yeah. So we know, for example, not to smack kids now, and we know why we don't smack kids. And previous generations didn't know why. And so you do the best with the tools you have at the time you have them. And the problem is for our generation of parents, I think, is we're given so many tools and it's hard to know where the line is. So when there's one person that you can talk to, like Mm. the clinic nurse, it's like, well, that's okay. You must know (laughs) because you're you're the only person with the information. So I'm going to trust you. And I think probably Mike to your point about food and our relationship with food, what we do have a lot more now is um, child psychologists and Mm. understanding of child development and and their brain function and things like that. And I think one of the biggest anxieties for parents, and I know for myself, is how are our kids going to turn out? I'm wondering if that was ever a worry for you because I know parents today often make the joke they're all going to be in therapy when they're older anyway. <laughs> what, whatever we do, we're going to mess them up. I mean, that's part of the human experience. Nobody can be a perfect parent. But was that something that you, even was on your radar or is that something that is more? No. Oh, no, not really. No. It was, yeah. We, um, we were careful always to say to the kids, you can do whatever you want to and we'll help you do whatever you want to do. But no, we didn't have any, th- we didn't have any concerns. We we expected, and they did, find their own path. So, Mike, would you agree that possibly one of the concerns parents have today is how our kids, what we are doing to our kids psychologically absolutely, in terms of that? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's a bit different for me because my, my wife's a psychologist. <laughs> Handy, <laughs> so it is, maybe. It is very top of mind. <laughs> and um, I have to remind her regularly that I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> Um, but th- it's certainly in our family, that's where a lot of the, a lot of the research sort of driven side comes from. Joe jo does lead that. Uh, and I try and try and follow along and, 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 and pick stuff up. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Daphne's going to be her own person and, and, and any other kids we have are going to, they're going to be their own person. And what I would like to do is <clears throat> the template that I can take from my parents is while there's differences in feeding and chocolate and, and sleeping and whatever is. There's a real loving template that my parents gave me, and that's something I've I've appreciated. I've only really started to fully appreciate now. I've had had Daphne, and so um, just like they did, we're going to do our best, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we'll get it wrong, and that's that's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we're thinking about that now. Do you think um, just going back a step when we were talking about how uh, Mike and I feel about 
our kids and a bit worried about their psychological development and the impact we will have on them as they grow. Um, part of that to me speaks about this increased sense of responsibility we have. Not to say you didn't feel responsible as parents, but I almost feel like um, recent generations of parents have been led to feel that they are responsible for every element of their child's well-being. So if they're if they're not eating, it's our fault. If we're doing something wrong, if um, gosh, that must that, be awful. Well, I feel I don't know. I, that's how I feel. Parents today think about their kids. So if my daughter's not sleeping properly, it's on me to help her sleep properly. If she's in pain, it's on me to help her find a way through it. Um, I'm not sure if you feel that way, Mike. Daph's still very well, small. The first but... time um, Daphne fell and hit her head, I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you a sense of uh, how involved I am and the stakes of, of her. And and that's happened a couple of times where, I, you know, Joe has to deal with that because I can't really handle it because I'm so invested. Yes. And that's just part of my personality. That's interesting. It's an investment and it's a sense of responsibility. So when I talk to other parents, I do feel that with all the information we're given, it's like you must be your child's psychologist, mm. their educator, their doctor. I mean, the times my daughter asks me what's wrong with her and I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, growing pains. <laughs> You're tired. Have some water. Because like, that's interesting because say that, that, that time I cried when she fell over, <laughs> coming back to that, um, Joe, jo, Joe's feedback on that was that that's the time when I actually need to be strong because that's what she needs because it's not about me. And so that comes back to, well, how, how can I work on myself yes. to be a better parent? which is the point of what you're saying was it comes back to me and what I can do and me just taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Gosh, Carol, thank God we're the age we oh, are. I reckon, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we don't have young children now. It's too, too mean, hard. We had, uh, if there was something wrong, we'd try and, and help, of course, but it didn't occur to me that it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it wasn't. <laughs> We're a bit loopy. Um, the other thing I reflect on with my own parents when they brought us up is um, they did move around a bit, but I feel like the village we always talk about was just a given. So we lived on a suburban street. I remember mum and dad having um, dinners. So mum said to me, we didn't go out like you kids go out. Like we had dinners at home. Um, the kids would run into each other's houses. We'd be out in the reserve. It feels like there was more of a sense of community then. I don't know is, if that resonates with you. Well, I think there was because um, now most mother and father works, so the children aren't home during the day. And of a weekend when the parents are home, they're too busy doing the housework, doing the shopping or whatever, and the kids have to tag along or entertain themselves. In the days when we were young, mostly the mother stayed home, so the kids are home, and that's how they'd entertain. Go next door, see the kids next door, the mothers would have a cup of tea. We did that with our neighbours, and the kids would play every day, and, you know, she'd want to do shopping without kids, we'd mind her kids and vice versa, you know. Um, I think that works well. brilliant, doesn't it, Mike? But yeah. these days you can't let the kids wander next door because – who is next door? What are they there's like? Lot, it's too dangerous. There's a lot more suspicion. Yeah. And um, and consequently, you need people feel they need to be much more Eyes careful. On, yeah. And uh, very very careful about who who's looking after your kids and yep. where they are. That's, what are they doing? That's really yeah. sad. I think. 
Do you have any final thoughts, Mike? Uh, look, my, my final thought is just to echo something I said before about, uh, I guess, you know, to say thank you for, for how you guys raised me <laughs> and, and, and the sacrifices you guys made and, and uh, the template, the template you gave, and and whilst we'll we'll keep talking about the chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what you the example you guys set is something I'm I'm so grateful for. So thank you, Mike. All the effort that we put in is nothing compared to what we got in return. Yes. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and Daphne, chocolate will never pass your lips. <laughs> wink, wink. Well, thank you, everyone, and you too, Daphne, for coming in and having this chat. Thanks, Siobhan. Thanks, Siobhan. That's Mike, Carol, Greg and Daphne Moon. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Mm-hmm.